Good evening, ladies and gents and cats and dogs and any other pets you guys might have. Hello. (laughs) Do you let your pets and children listen to the Golden Ghouls podcast? I hope so. (laughs) Holly's here for every episode. She loves it. Don't you love Holly? Sometimes Dante interjects. You can hear him screaming in the background. Tonight he's doing a snooze. Mm. Uh, No scrumming tonight. Nope. He does what he likes. He's getting a rest. Mm -hmm. A little. That's why a role model. Yeah. I wish I was getting a rest, but maybe maybe this evening. Hard to say. You guys, people (laughs) see. People were very excited about us talking about the tavern last week. And um, one of my coworkers actually reached out. She also has a spooky podcast called Hellbound. So if you guys are ever interested in finding something new to listen to, you should check them out. But uh, her name is Sarah, and she actually works as a tour guide um, for... Oh, goodness. A, a tour, a ghost tour company here in Austin. I'll have to follow up and let the people know which one it is that she works for. But um, they go to the tavern on every tour. <gasps> and she um, she kind of asked me about my experience there. And I told her, you know, I felt nauseous. I felt like that that dark male entity kind of like behind me almost like breathing down my neck and looking over my shoulder and it was just mm-hmm. you know a really uncomfortable experience and she was like oh my gosh I know the exact feeling he's actually followed me outside of the tavern and no. like into my life <gasps> um and what? I and I had to get protection so oh my god so yeah it's it's very real and very spooky. Wow, but. that's insane. And what I've heard from the Nyadal podcast, I wouldn't want that guy following me. No, no, no. he's a very bad guy. Yeah. So yes. be careful if, if anyone does happen to go to the tavern and bring some protective crystals or something <laughs> with you because he's a bad dude. <laughs> but I had to make sure to tell you all that because I was like, Oh, yep. Another weird experience from the tavern. Confirmed. Actually, somebody from my office was excited about it, too. And she Uh, was like, I can't uh, wait to go back knowing all this information. It's like, I know. It's pretty wild. And right in town, right in the middle of Austin here. Hot spot. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're we're letting the people know what's near them because... Yeah, there's lots to see in the spooky world here. <laughs> the spooky world. It's like Halloween yeah. town. Uh, I wish we were in Halloween town. One day I do want to go to the real life Halloween town. Is there one? Yeah. Wait, what? Wait, what? Yeah. They have the big pumpkin and everything. Where? It's, oh God, I could be totally wrong about this. I want to say it's in... Uh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. I want to say it's in Washington or Oregon, but that could be totally off and it might be on the other side of the country. Is it just but, wherever they filmed the movie? I don't think so. I think they modeled it after the movie, though. Very cool. Yeah. It's a great movie. A it real is. classic. 
I was mm-hmm. talking with my nail tech this weekend about how like everything I've enjoyed since childhood has been spooky because I did Valentine's nails and I have Casper and his friend hot <laughs> stuff from the comics. And she said that she had never seen the movie Casper. And I was like, oh what? my gosh, it's so good. But then I started just thinking about like everything I liked when I was a kid was spooky. Casper, Nightmare Before Christmas. I watched it every day. Loved Halloween Town. Loved Are You Afraid of the Dark? Don't Look Under the Bed. All the Mm -hmm. spooky things. It's just... All the classics. It's never going to end. It's never going to end. You know, I'm trying to think about mine. I wonder what they say about me. I liked a lot of musicals. And I can't sing. I liked The Little Mermaid. Same. Dirty Dancing. Mm -hmm. Footloose. Yeah. I wanted to be Patrick Swayze's babe for a long time. Uh, she's versatile. I thought you were going to say you wanted to be Patrick Swayze. That too, I did too. <laughs> honestly. And Kevin Bacon. I really tried to recreate his mm-hmm. dance in that warehouse a couple times. Um, I tried to do it all sorts of places in my garage mm-hmm. where he jumps off of things. And, you know, it's uh-huh. really tight. So what I'm hearing is you liked music and dance and like kind of theatrical Maybe, yeah. Things. And you are, you have a big personality, you know? Yeah, I Very did. True. Yeah, I liked how they expressed their emotions. Yeah. And uh-huh. I felt that Physically. in my soul. You know, when I, yeah. when um, Ariel got up on that rock and she, and she was like, let me be part of your world. And she sang yeah. that mm-hmm. from the top of her mm-hmm. lungs and that water splash. I felt that in you my stomach. That. Yeah. And so yeah. it's kind of the best. I mean, it makes sense. Right. It really does. Okay. There's this also, speaking of Ariel, there is this trend going around on TikTok where you ask your partner their favorite Disney character mm. or like favorite Disney princess to see if you like look alike. Oh. I asked Steve his favorite Disney princess and he said Ariel. Oh my uh, gosh. That is so it's true. Great. It's That's like, too I don't funny. Know. I can't True wait love. to ask everybody and just see. Yeah. Like, it does, yeah. I'm not coupled up, but I'm going to ask all my couples. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I love that. I can't wait. Because my mom see. says Prince Eric. <gasps> and your dad and definitely. Timmy Van looks a little a bit. Prince mm-hmm. Eric vibe. A little bit. Especially, especially when he was younger. younger yeah. He yeah. likes to yeah. sail. This makes sense. He's a seaman. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay. It tracks. It tracks. Wow. We're, wow. We're, we're going places Much to here. think about. Much to think yeah. about. TikTok's got it all these days. What Honestly. can I say? <laughs> all right. Well, anything, anything else spooky before we, we jump into this exciting app? You know, there's a lot of spooky things going on in the world today. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't want to talk about those. No. She wants to talk about ghosts. I do. And weird stuff. And, and yeah, the oddities of the world. What are we talking about? What are we talking about here? Well, uh, today we're going to talk about, we prefaced this a few weeks ago, I think, um, after our obsession with surviving death on Netflix started. But we're talking about near-death experiences and, you know, the, the, what, what people saw when they died for a brief time and came back to life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very cool stories it's gonna get interesting but uh first i'll say we're the golden ghouls Alyssa, 
Kylie. Emily. And it's time to get spooky. Yeah. So, um, I, I didn't really write anything down about near death experiences or, uh, is, is that what I should call them? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. NDs. I can take it off because, um, you mentioned the Netflix original series, Surviving Death. Yes. And I was going to share, um, the story of a person who's actually been featured on the show. Ooh. Yeah. We love that. I think she was actually the first story. I did pick up a little tidbit, though. They call themselves NDEers, like near-death experiencers, mm-hmm. or just experiencers. Mm-hmm. So there are, like, a lot of people who have had this experience, seen something, had their life change, and there's, like, sort of a community around them. So it's very interesting it's, yeah and it goes much deeper than than you'd think yes and i mean we we can chit chat our, our personal opinions and thoughts as we go but that's what i'm most excited about to hear like what we each think of each story and what the listeners may think yeah but yes. without further ado dive in so dr mary neal so again she was She's been in Surviving Death. So for those who have watched the show, you probably remember her. Um, she, her whole story began. Um, she had a kayaking accident in Chile um, that basically killed her um, and sent her on a journey to what she says was heaven and back. And so ever since this had happened, she has written three different books about um, her experience with death, um, with, she mentions Jesus and God, um, which kind of brings up the the bigger question, you know, are these experiences based on each individual belief or religion, or is this proof of one more than the other? Or, you know, there's, there's a lot to, a lot to think about. Um, so I'm going to read Mary in Mary's words, her actual story. And she wrote this on this specific blog post, um, last year and a little background. She's an orthopedic surgeon and now she's a New York times bestselling author. Almost 20 years ago while kayaking in Chile, a drowning accident left me technically dead for more than 30 minutes. As a practicing orthopedic surgeon, I've spoken publicly and widely about the spiritual and medical implications of my near-death experience. Invariably, after I speak, a crowd lines up to talk. And trust me, it's not because I'm an unusually riveting speaker. When people wait around for answers, certain questions consistently surface. Here are the most common ones and how I answer them based on my own experience. So one of the most common questions is, did you see your departed loved ones? And of course, that's, you know, something we all wonder. Will we see our loved ones, our family members, once we pass on from this world, from this realm? And she writes, in my experience, this is a definite yes. Soon after leaving my body, I was greeted by a group of beings who were simultaneously familiar and unfamiliar. This may sound strange, but I felt nothing but peace and happiness in their company. 
I have experienced the deep pain of losing people I dearly love, and it is a great comfort to me to know that when I return to what I think of as heaven, my son and all the other people I love who have gone before me will be there waiting. Another common question that she is asked is, was anyone sick or suffering in this afterlife? And she says, no. The loved ones I saw who died in illness were restored to health, and those who were crippled in life had restored to strength. I can't begin to tell you how important this fact is for me personally. My son's body was mangled after he was struck by the car of a young man who was driving distractedly. But when I subsequently saw him, he was whole, strong, and vibrant. The next question, do you think loved ones who have passed away can see us here on earth? And she writes, I believe the answer is yes. When I was separated from my physical body, I was aware of what was happening up above and what was unfolding on the riverbank where I had drowned. I thought about my husband and my children, my parents and my siblings, and not at all about my work or other earthly worries. That's nice to know. (laughs) As I thought of each one, I was able to empathetically be a part of them, transferring a feeling that everything is fine. It was as if a part of my spirit traveled to wherever they were at that moment to pass on an awareness of contentment to their psyche. The next question that people ask her, what was your biggest surprise from the experience? As a medical professional, I can tell you I was surprised and deeply reassured to find that spirituality and science are never in conflict. I was surprised, too, by my utter serenity as life left my body, and even more so by my lack of desire to return to earth. But I was most astonished by the discovery that God's promises are actually, amazingly, and abundantly true. As one who came to religion in adulthood, I had hoped these truths were true, and I nearly always believed that they were. But my experience taught me that we can move beyond hope and belief to something much better and more powerful. We can live with absolute trust. So again, that's like, I have to wonder, someone who is not religious, do they, would they have this experience? And then, you know, they they find what they think of as God during this experience, or is that part of the experience absent for them? I'm very curious to hear some other stories. Well, I was just going to say, I can't wait to read mine after this because it's very, very (laughs) similar, but she doesn't come from that direct, like, you know, it's God, it's what, but they, you'll see, they have similar things. So that's very interesting. You know, I think, I think Mary, her name is Mary, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Mary's story is so interesting to me because she is a surgeon she's like a very logical thinker Mm -hmm. like seeing is believing very science-based and she fully admits you know like I had this experience on quote the other side and I think that that's so interesting because there are so many people who are like well science can't show us you know that that uh-huh. these things have happened, <laughs> that there's any, you know, life after death or whatever. And um, yeah, I, I just think that that's such an interesting thing. And I think she might have even brought that up too in Surviving Death that, you know, like 
people would assume Mm -hmm. since I am a surgeon, you know, that I might not believe in these things, but she was dead for a while. That's a long time to be dead. A good 30 minutes. Yeah. And she does, she does say, you know, I'm, I feel confident and at peace knowing that the, the lines of science and spirituality are parallel rather right, than yeah. like overlapping or one's longer than the other or one doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So, and quite if, interesting. Emily, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that her son died after her accident, but she saw him beforehand in I, her experience. No, I think she died before. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn, or maybe she saw... I remember at some point she, I thought she said she was having premonitions that he was going yes, to he, pass away. Yes, mm. she was. Yes, I remember okay. that happening. And I really like, there was like a week before something close to the date of him passing. She was, she was expressing That's that. scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she like came, she got in touch with something. Yeah. So some maybe point. you're yeah. right. I maybe have to rewatch it. I, I'm not sure. Actually, no. Well, sometimes we get crazy and we just (laughs) go for it. But yeah, her story is really intriguing. Mm -hmm. I can share one that's a little bit different. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know she was done. (laughs) I can share one that's a little (laughs) bit different because I know there are some similarities in yours, um, Emily. But I'll I'll switch it up for a bit because mine is a little more out there. And um, I actually, so I did this crazy deep dive into a Reddit thread where people were sharing their um, experiences. And a lot of them were very similar um, to y'all's in that, you know, they said that they felt peace or a lot of people saw the like bright white light, you know, just like very at ease and okay with you know what was happening this one is a little bit different and it might be because their um their experience was like at their own hand in a way but i i'll share this with you um so their username on reddit is smoky mctokerson (laughs) which they like to have fun they party we love that shout out But they write, I died for a very short period due to a drug overdose. Before passing out, all I remember is lying on my bathroom floor, sweating profusely. That's when my roommate found me and called an ambulance. I had stopped breathing a few minutes before they arrived, and shortly after my heart stopped, thankfully, they were able to revive me. I don't remember anything about the dying part of the hospital stay. It's what happened when I got home that I remember well because it freaked me the hell out. You see, a few weeks prior, I had burned a quarter-size hole into my couch armrest with my cigarette while playing video games, but now the hole was gone like it had never happened. The night I originally burned it, I had a few friends over, and we did our best to make the burn hole the least noticeable as possible, but there's only so much you can do. I lived with the hole for weeks, picking at it every time I sat in that spot. Anyway, when I first noticed it was gone, I thought I was having a psychiatric breakdown. Did someone come in and switch my couch out? I couldn't wrap my head around it. 
I know it's such a small, inconsequential thing, but it's such a strange feeling to be so sure of something happening, and yet there is no proof it ever existed. So I asked all my friends if they remembered, and of course, no one did. I moved on, though I was always thinking about how strange that was. About two weeks or so later, I was sitting in the same spot playing video games, again smoking a cigarette, and wouldn't you know it, I burned a hole in the exact same spot as I'd remembered from before. Needless to say, I was more than a little freaked out by this. Unfortunately for me, this one has yet to disappear. So Mm. people started responding to this story like crazy. Mm -hmm. And another user joked that they had gone through a tear in the fabric of the space-time continuum, basically, And the original poster responded and said, that thought has occurred to me, but usually the simplest explanation is the correct one. And I've tried to tell myself I just misremembered what happened. I would have kept believing that if I wouldn't have burned another hole in the exact same place, like the universe was trying to fix its mistake. Anyways, it's been years since that happened and it's the only thing I've ever noticed out of place. So who knows? And I mean, this post Mm. kept popping off. It had like 30 replies to it. So people were very intrigued and trying to theorize what happened, basically. So another user chimed in and suggested that there were maybe multiple worlds at play and that in the original world, the cigarette incident happened before the overdose and they didn't come back to that world. Then when they came back, the cigarette incident happened after the overdose in this like what? different different world. So someone brought up what is called um, quantum suicide and quantum immortality, both of which I personally could not wrap my little brain around yeah, <laughs> because what? it's very scientific and very in-depth. Um, but basically there are people who theorize that like, you can die in in one reality and be alive in another. It's very in-depth. So if anyone wants to learn more, I strongly suggest you give it a Google and then maybe explain it to me like you would a kindergartner because I, <laughs> I tried to break it down very simply and I could not. People kept um, kind of comparing it to Schrodinger's cat, which if anyone knows about... <laughs> about that um does it exist that gives you a little bit of understanding like is the cat dead or is it alive or is it dead and alive (laughs) but um yeah really interesting and i thought that those were interesting theories and also what what happened there you know like what was that very interesting to me and then like my first thought is that the the burn was never there and he must have dreamt it, imagined it or whatever. And then that premonition ended up making him burn the chair. Yeah. You know mm. what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And then yeah. we got drugs involved. So you never know, really. <laughs> it's true, but true. it's just so strange. It's like, did he tap into something right. like before the before the overdose or you know during after like some something just seems a little bit weird so i'm excited to hear other people's theories on this one because it 
That's crazy. The number of people who are chiming in with theories that were all like different, different timelines, time slip, like different <laughs> plane of existence. I mean, yeah. people were like going deep with these theories. So it's it's wow. something interesting and something to think about. Very interesting. For sure. All right. Well, I'll wrap it up with mine. Um, it's very similar to Kylie's. Uh, Anita Marjani, back in 2006, she ended up slipping into a coma after a four-year battle with lymphatic cancer. And she had a near-death experience. And she actually, her experience, I mean, it's really, her experience is very life-changing. It definitely changed her life. And she has a website now, anitamorjani.com that um, she's kind of like a help space. And um, Hmm. it's really cool. She, I suggest everybody go to it and check it out. But I'm going to read her her story directly from the page because I think that's the only way probably to do it justice is from her (laughs) own words, right? That's what we talked about. So this is Anita Morjani's The Day My Life Changed, February 2nd, 2006. After four heart-wrenching years with cancer, my body had finally had enough and I went into a coma. As my husband rushed me to the hospital, the world around me started to appear surreal and dreamlike and I could feel myself slip further and further from consciousness. The moment Hmm. I arrived and the oncologist saw me, her face visibly filled with shock. Your wife's heart may still be beating, she told Danny, but she's not really there. It's too late to save her. Her organs have shut down. Her tumors have grown to the size of lemons throughout her lymphatic system. From the brace, from the base of her skull to below her abdomen, her brain is filled with fluid as, as are her lungs. And as you can see, her skin has developed lesions that are weeping from, with toxins. She won't even make it through the <laughs> night. I watched just Danny's face filled with anguish. And I wanted to cry out to him. It's okay, darling. I'm okay. Please don't worry. Don't listen to the doctor. I actually feel great. But I couldn't. No words came out. No sound. Danny couldn't hear me. In this near-death state, I was more acutely aware of all that was going on around me than I'd ever been in normal physical state. I wasn't using my five biological senses, yet I was keenly taking everything in. It was as though another completely different type of perception kicked in. And I seemed to encompass everything that was happening as though I was slowly merging with it all. I felt no emotion, emotional attachment to my seemingly lifeless body as it lay there on the hospital bed. It didn't feel as though it were mine. It looked far too small and insignificant to have housed what I was experiencing. I felt free, liberated, and magnificent. Every pain, ache, sadness, and sorrow was gone. I felt completely encumbered. I couldn't recall feeling this way before, not ever. I continued Mm. to sense myself expanding farther and farther outward, drawing away from my physical surroundings. It was as though I was no longer restricted by the confines of space and time, and I continued to spread myself out to occupy a greater expanse of consciousness. I simultaneously experienced a sense of joy mixed with a generous sprinkling of jubilation and happiness. Mm. 
I felt all my emotional attachments to my loved ones and my surroundings slowly fall away. What I can only describe as a superb and glorious unconditional love surrounded me, wrapping me tight as I continued to let go. It didn't feel as though I had physically gone somewhere else. It was more as though I had awakened, perhaps finally being roused by roused from some bad dream. My soul was finally realizing its true magnificence, and in doing so, it was expanding beyond my body and this physical world. The feeling of complete, unconditional love was unlike anything I'd known before. It wasn't, it was totally undiscriminating, as if I didn't have to do anything to deserve it, nor did I need to prove myself to earn it. To my amazement, I became aware of the presence of my father, who had died 10 years earlier. Dad, you're here. I can't believe it. I wasn't speaking those words. I was merely thinking them. In fact, it was more like a feeling. The emotions behind hmm. the words, as there was no way, other way to communicate in that realm other than the emotions. I also recognized the essence of my best friend, Sunny, who died from cancer three years prior. I seemed to know that they'd both been present with me long before I became aware of them and all through my illness. I was aware of other beings around me. I didn't recognize them, but I knew that they loved me very much and were protecting me. I realized they too had been with me all this time, surrounding me with love, even when I wasn't conscious of it. My heightened awareness and feelings of unconditional love in that realm expanded and were indescribable, despite my best efforts to to explain them. The universe makes sense, I realized. I finally understand. I know why I have cancer. I was too caught up in the wonder of that moment to dwell on the cause, although I'd soon examine it more closely. I'd also seem to comprehend why I'd come into this life in the first place. I knew my true purpose. Why do I suddenly understand all this? I wanted to know who's giving me this information. Is it God, Krishna, Buddha, Jesus? And then I and then I was overwhelmed by the realization that God isn't a being, but a state of being. And I was now in that state of being. I saw my life intricately, intricately woven into everything I'd known so far. My experience was like a single strand threaded through the huge and complexly colored images of an infinite tapestry. Wow. All the other threads and colors represented my relationships, including every life I'd touched. There were threads representing my mother, my father, my brother, my husband, and every other person who'd ever come into my life, whether they related to me in a positive way or negative way. I began to understand that while I may have only been a thread, I was integral to the overall finished picture. Seeing this, I understood that I owed it to myself and to everyone I met and to life itself to always be an expression of my own unique existence. Trying to be anything or anyone else didn't make me better. It just deprived me of my true self. It kept others from experiencing me for who I am, and it deprived me of interacting authentically with them. As I looked at the great tapestry that was the accumulation of my life up to that point, I could identify exactly what had brought me to where I was today. Just look at my path. Why, oh, why was I was I always so harsh with myself? Why was I beating myself up? Why was I always forsaking myself? Why did I never stand up for myself or show the world the beauty of my own soul? 
Why was I always suppressing my own intelligence and creativity to please others? I betrayed myself every time I said yes when I meant no. Why did I violate myself by always needing to seek approval from others just to be myself? Why haven't I followed my own beautiful heart and spoken my truth? Why don't we realize this when we're in our own physical bodies? How come I never knew what we're not supposed to be so tough on ourselves? I still felt completely enveloped in a sea of unconditional love and acceptance. I was able to look at myself with fresh eyes and saw that I was a beautiful child of the universe. I understood that just the fact that I existed made me worthy of this divine love rather than judgment. I didn't need to do anything specific. I deserved to be loved simply because I existed, nothing more and nothing less. This was a rather surprising realization for me because I always thought I needed to work at being lovable. I believed that somehow I just I had to be deserving and worthy of being cared for. So it was incredible to realize this wasn't the case at all. I also understood that cancer wasn't some punishment for anything I'd done wrong, nor was I experiencing negative karma as a result of any of my actions, as I had previously believed. It was as though every moment held infinite possibilities, and where I was at that point in time was the accumulation of every decision, every choice, and every thought of my entire life. Many fears in my great power had manifested this disease. What subsequently happened is incredibly hard to describe. First, it felt as though whatever I directed my awareness toward appeared before me. Second, time was completely irrelevant. It wasn't even a factor consider as though it didn't exist. Prior to this point, doctors had conducted tests on the functionality of my organs, and the report had already been written. But in that realm, it seemed as though the outcome of those tests and the report depended on the decision I had yet to make whether to live or to continue onward into death. If I chose death, the test results would indicate organ failure. If I chose to come back to physical life, they'd show my organs beginning to function again. At that moment, I decided I didn't want to return to earth life. I then became conscious of my physical body dying, and I saw the doctors speaking with my family, explaining that it was death due to organ failure. Simultaneously, my father communicated with me, this is as far as you can go, sweetheart. If you go back any farther, you cannot turn back. I became aware of a boundary before me. Although the demarcation wasn't physical, it was more like an invisible threshold marked by a variation of energy levels. I knew that if I crossed it, there was no turning back. All my ties to the physical world would be permanently severed. But before I stepped toward this realm for good, I became aware of a new level of truth. I discovered that since I'd realized who I really was and understood the magnificence of my true self, if I chose to go back to life, my body would heal rapidly, not in months or weeks, but in days. If I chose to go back to my body, I knew that the doctors wouldn't be able to find a trace of cancer. That stunning revelation hit me like a bolt of lightning. I understood that merely by being who I truly am, I would heal both myself and the others. I knew that I was really the only purpose. I knew that was really the only purpose of life to be ourselves, live our truths, and to be the love that we are. As though to confirm my realization, I became aware of both my father and Sonny communicating with me. Now that you know the Mm -hmm. truth of who you are, go back and live your life fearlessly. It was the afternoon of February 3rd, about 30 hours after I'd entered the coma. My eyes started to flicker open around 4 p.m. and my vision was very blurred. I could barely see that 
the outline of the figure standing over me was Danny. And then I heard his voice. She's back. Once I regained consciousness, my cancer began to heal rapidly. To the amazement of my doctors, I was free of countless tumors and cancers and cancer indicators within weeks. Since then, I've heeded the call to share this powerful story and the divine lesson with the true world. Love yourself fully. That's your purpose. That's what you're here to do. Wow. Very poetic. Very poetic. That's Anita's words. And it was important that that was probably said, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but also it dives a lot into what Mary experienced too. Mary, you know, said that she, it's not like she could see the people that she knew were there, but they, she knew they were there. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was the same thing with Anita. Sounds like Anita's was like also kind of like out of body experience. She did. She had like a herself. She was seeing herself Mm -hmm. in the room. Yeah. Yeah. Mary saw, she said that she saw the riverbank. I don't know if she actually saw herself on the Mm riverbank, but you think that would constitute an out of body experience as well? I think so. Who's to say? Who's to say? Yeah. Because I, I think I remember Mary, yeah, saying that she remembers, like, um, the people looking for her body. Yeah. Oh, okay. So. I think, I feel like maybe I remember her saying that, like, she was in inside of her body knowing that she could, like, hear the people calling her name and, yeah. like, was trying to get out that she was alive. And then they were like, oh, my God, she is Dead. breathing. Right. Mm-hmm. Whew, man, that's a lot, just a lot to think about. Yeah, Anita's experience was very poetic. She like saw it all. Well, she has a lot of money. Go days. to anitamorjani.com. She has so many great things on there. Um, so very helpful. Yeah, saw she has like a lot of motivational she quotes. Is. If anyone is like, I'm feeling weird. <laughs> I need something. <laughs> and Anita Constant. She had a, a rough few days in a coma and she said, I'm not taking this lying down. Nope. And she she came back. So mm-hmm. and honestly, Whew. like those experiences sounded just so unbelievably peaceful and joyful to me. Yeah. That it does give you a lot of hope. Yeah, so many that I read were very, everyone was like, I just felt peace. And mm-hmm. so that's, mm-hmm. it's nice to know that if there is truth to it, which it sounds like there is because so many people have shared in the same experience that our loved ones who have passed on are, you know, living their best afterlives and, you know, whatever that may look like, spirit form. You know, if it is in some way tied to your, you know, spiritual or religious beliefs, you know, it sounds like people are are having an okay time. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to know if any listeners have had a similar experience or know someone who has. We'd yeah. love to hear it. We actually, um, I think we have a listener story um, from someone who didn't have the near-death experience but has a close tie to one so you guys will hear that on our next ghoul talk as well um but can't wait yes yeah holler if there's any other interesting ones or you've had one yourself send it our way at the golden ghouls podcast at gmail.com oh and uh 
I follow following up on Halloween Town. It is in Oregon. Okay, I was not <laughs> wrong. It's in St. Helens, which is um, where they did film some of the scenes from Halloween Town. Um, so that is where you can see cool. the, the big pumpkin. Very cool. And yeah, they've got like the gate that says Halloween Town and all that fun stuff. So it's Cute. out there whenever you can safely travel. Give her, give her a look. See, <laughs> what are you doing, Kylie? I just kicked my she iPad bumped. off the chair by accident. I was trying to stretch. Oh God! Yeah. But here I am, tossing electronics left and right. Uh, sometimes you gotta toss them. <sighs> it's the only way. All right, ghouls. I'm feeling. I'm feeling pretty peaceful. I am so, too. Uh, <laughs> with that, I think we'll we'll call it an evening, and we'll see the people next week. And until next time, stay spooky. Ooh. Ooh.